Hey guys, you are now listening to the Maranatha House Podcast. Hebrews 11. I've got some Bibles. Barrels. Hila Barrels. Um, so, does anybody remember what we talked about with uh, Hebrews 10 two weeks ago? Uh, we weren't here. Mm. We're unclear. Did you not read it on your own? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, yeah, it was about Christ's sacrifice once and for all. Oh, is that what the Bible header says? Nope. Christ's sacrifice once and for all. Yes. It's uh, the first half of that chapter 10 is comparing Jesus to uh, the old covenant and Jesus being a better covenant, you know. Um, and <clears throat> that, you know, Jesus. Jesus' blood was way better than the blood of the sacrifices of bulls and goats and ox and all this stuff. His blood actually did something. You know, it changed everything. Um, And so there's multiple times where it talks about the old covenant had to be set aside for the new covenant to have room to move. And that's a big deal. I mean, I I know a lot of Christians who still walk with a, like, uh, mentality of, like, old covenant. And I also know people who go way too far into the grace side of the new covenant and they don't have a balance. And I think it's really important that we find a balance to what is grace, what is like, what are things we should obey? You know, really what I've come to is that <clears throat> the old covenant, is, the, the law in the Old Testament is still part of God, God's heart. If we believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow and that he never changes, then the laws that he gave were good because that was a good reflection of his heart. However, the, the way in which we relate to God is not based on how we fulfill those laws anymore. That's, that was the issue. It's not that the law was bad. It's that the law, the law was good. We just were un, unable to follow the law. And so now what Jesus has done has... Uh, taken away the need, the necessity to, you know, <clears throat> cover our sins for every time we met, miss the mark of trying to follow the law. Jesus makes it so that we can follow the law out of our own free will. And even if we don't, Jesus has got it covered. Uh, does that mean we go on sinning, Cam? No! Oh, We do not keep on sinning. But now we live a life that is marked by gratitude. Have you guys heard that story? Why did he just jump that over to me? Mm, I don't think so. I I had a friend in college that was in an accountability group with me for pornography stuff. And uh, he he shared this passage and then shared um, some insight that he'd gotten into what that literally translated to. And this dude was, he'd been a reggae vocalist with um, operatic training, so he could be loud. And when he got to that point, when he like, he got to the, so do we keep on singing where it normally would say by no means, he just hauled off and yelled, hell no! <laughs> so, whoa! <laughs> and it will ring through your ears for eternity. Yeah. Most of us were expecting it. Yeah. So like, Forever and ever. <laughs> Yeah. You gotta record that in the podcast. Bass boosted. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out, Just drop an anyway right there. Yeah, I'm about it. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we do not continue on sinning, but now we live a life that is marked by gratitude. Our lives are now a reflection. There's no more work for us to do because Jesus paid it for everything. I mean, the, we do have work, but there's no more work when it comes to justification. We can't be more justified tomorrow than we are today or than we were the first time we uh, got saved. We can't be more righteous but we can uh, reflect his life in a better way. We can uh, bring people into his kingdom 
And how do we do that? By living a life that looks like His. And showing other people what He looks like. That's what our lives are marked by. That's, that's really where ministry should even start. Is that having gratitude. That, you know, you're not doing it because, well, I need to make money somehow. Or, well, my, my family did this, you know. Like, the, all my, my forefathers are in this ministry. That's how, you know, <clears throat> that's how bad things happen. When people don't have a passion for what they're doing. You know, it's not to say that you can't have that passion if your family's in ministry. I think a lot of people do. I'm just saying, uh, we have to have a priority straight. We cannot treat ministry as a job, uh, you know, when really it's a, it's a thing that we do out of uh, gratitude to the Lord by caring for people, by giving our lives to others. So, <clears throat> um, the second part of chapter 10 is the... Uh, a, a bunch of stuff about um, the writer kind of giving us more practical application. So what does all this mean? He took ten chapters to, you know, lay out this foundation of, you know, theology for the new believer in the new covenant. And so now he's starting to transition into <clears throat> how shall we then live, if you will. Um, we have we did talk about a pretty hard verse there. For if we willfully continue to sin. After we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. <clears throat> That's verses 26 and 27 of Hebrews 10. And we talked about that. That was a verse that, growing up, used to make me feel really condemned. That, you know, <laughs> if I keep on willfully sinning, I'm going to basically go to hell, is what that says. Right. But it's not talking about just generally sinning. It's talking specifically about the sin that's been going on that the writer's been trying to address this whole book, which is these Jewish believers who came to faith in Jesus. They believed the gospel. But now because of the persecution and because of just convenience sake, they're trying to go back to Judaism. Because if they go back to Judaism, they won't get as persecuted by the Roman government. You know, or they won't be persecuted by their own families. You know, all these things. It, it was safer to go back. And they were basically like, well, I mean, it's the same God. You know, we just don't fully believe in Jesus and what he did. And the writer of Hebrews, that's why he goes to the ten chapters of theology to say, no, guys, there, there is no going back. I mean, you go back now and you're, you're signing up for hell. So that's the, the sin there. If you willfully continue to go back to Judaism... After you have received the knowledge of the truth of the gospel, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. He's saying that old system's done. Like, it was for a time, but now if you go back to it, it's completely done. And, like, even now, you, it won't help you. There is no sacrifice anymore. You either take Jesus or nothing. He's the only appropriate sacrifice, or appeasing sacrifice. So, <clears throat> that's just a little backdrop. Hebrews 11 Hebrews 11 is a nice, fun chapter. This is like the one most people know from Hebrews. The Hall of Faith. The Hall of Faith. And uh, I think it's really encouraging. Um, one thing I want us to be... Can you share some of the yellow paper with Angel? Yeah. <clears throat> I just want to play tic-tac-toe. Totally, totally. <laughs> the, uh, one thing I want us to be conscious of as we're reading through this Hall of Faith is it's going to talk about a bunch of messed up people. This should be really uh, helpful for, for all of us, especially those of us who feel like I miss it too much or I, I sin too much or I'm not doing enough or I, I just feel like I'm not a good Christian. Well, you'll see most of these other people that the Hall of Faith talks about weren't really good Christians either by our worldly mindsets. But in God's eyes... They were pleasing to him. It's all about their faith being pleasing to him. And uh, just the simplicity of what it means to be a believer. Um, we've talked about it throughout the whole thing. It's like God is after loyal believers. But it's all about your believing loyalty. Who do you continue to believe in? You might have doubts, and that's fine. Like, God's okay with you having doubts. You know, there's going to be suffering there's going to be hardships. There's going to be loss. Um, but at the end of the day, do you believe the gospel? That is what this is all about. 
And um, the other thing I want us to be aware of too is to see that the whole, all, all the way up to this point, there's been a theme <clears throat> that the writers use, and he's comparing Jesus to all these Old Testament things, right? So he's, he's compared Jesus to like um, Moses, and he's compared him to the angels. And he's compared him to uh, the, sac- the, the Old Testament sacrificial system. He's compared him to the temple, the Old Testament temple. He's compared him to a lot of things that are like really foundations of the Jewish faith. And the writer makes a point to say, Jesus is greater. All these things are like shadows of Christ, who is the greater portion of that thing. And so I want to keep that in mind. Like, Keep thinking that when you're reading this, because I think a lot of people don't read this chapter with the same mindset as they read the other chapters. But I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of show my cards before we start. This whole chapter is going to be giving more types of Jesus, like from the Old Testament. And it's going to be comparing him again to show like the amazing like splendor of who Jesus is. Um, so we just want to keep our minds on that. Cool? Cool. <clears throat> All right, let's uh, let's read. Who wants to read for me? Because this is a long one, and we're just going to read through the whole thing first. Sure. Nice. All right. There's 40 verses. How many people want to read? I'll read. Angel will read. Cam will read. Anybody else want to read? No. All right. Uh, Cam, you do 1 through 20. And Angel, you do 21 through 40. <laughs> It was a great video. <laughs> I'm going to do ESV until I hit verse 5, and then I'm going to jump over to the Oh, you crazy. There's a really sweet word being used that I love. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the, conver- the conviction excuse me, of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had translated him. Now, before he was... Now, before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them, and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. The people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him, that is Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. I'm going 21 through what? The end. Oh, okay. On the Bible. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, by 
faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid, from, hid him for three months after he was born, because he, they saw he was no ordinary child, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw who is invisible. By faith he kept Passover and the application of blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea on, as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell, after the, the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again, there were others who were tortured, refused, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains of imprisonment. In imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they were sewed, sawed in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Mm. That's a banger. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. Um, we'll try not to spend too much time on each character profile, but I think it'd be important to go through that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess before we go into it, does anything stick out to you guys off the bat? The thing that I always thought was really funny is he brings up six people, I think, in uh -huh. 32. Yeah, yeah. And then half of what he's saying after 32 is not about those six people. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I can tell you about these six. And then I can tell well, you about all these other things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's go through verses 1 and 2 real quick. We'll just re review that. So what is faith from verse 1? It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's a really interesting phrasing he uses. Um, the word substance means substance. <laughs> go figure. What is substance? It means something like, tangible. It's like something solid. So like faith is not this thing of like, uh, it's an invisible thing we have. Like, it is, but it always leads to something tangible mm -hmm. and something real. Like, so real that it's, like, it's got, uh, it takes up space. Yeah. That's what I read in the ESV. It says assurance. Yeah, assurance. Mine says confidence. Confidence, yeah. yeah. They're all really similar ideas. In yeah. I, I love having multiple translations present. Yeah. Because you can get different perspectives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, What'd you say? I said team NIV, baby. NIV, baby. Ooh. The uh, I I was listening to somebody who was talking about that the, he uses two different uh, sentences so that you can look at scripture or look at these things in two different ways from the view of science and from the view of like logic or like a court of law. So like faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's more like a scientific kind of thing. It's like science it has to find proof. You know, that's what they're looking for, whereas... Uh, and then he goes, the, here's the, here is the proof. Yeah, right. And then the evidence of things not seen is the, this idea that... Uh, and another translation, it uses a different word. I think it's the ESV. 
the conviction of things not seen. So it's that word conviction is like a conviction of uh, truth, basically. Um, so it is an interesting way to look at scripture. Is like find it scientifically, also find it where it meets logic, and you can use it in a court of law, and it's really powerful. Um, For by it the men of old obtained a good report. And then it goes straight into it. So this is the first, There's I think there's 16 total comparisons uh, here. But the first one is, By faith we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God, so that the things that are seen, which were not made out of things which are visible. So that the things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. It's a fun sentence. What does that remind you all of? Any scriptures coming to mind when you hear that verse? If you were, they just, the only thing I'm drawing is when they talk about God laying the foundations of the earth. Genesis 1? Yeah. The creation account. Uh, I know there's also a creation account in Isaiah where it talks about him. And Job talks about mm-hmm. it there. But the... <clears throat> He, it's interesting, he says, by faith we understand that the universe was framed not by God, but by the word of God. And the word there is, the word of God there is rhema, which means the spoken word of God. Um, does anybody remember what John 1 says? In the beginning there was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And so... <clears throat> And I'm pretty sure now. Now I'm blanking, which is great. All things were created through him, and without him, nothing was created that was created. That's talking about Jesus. So this is saying, by faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God, or by Jesus Himself. Jesus is the spoken word of God. He is the Rama of God. That's a really cool picture. You see already. Things are starting to line up with Jesus. Like, again, where it's like the writer's just shoving it in our face. Say goodnight. I love you. Say night, everybody. Night, night, everybody. That's for Sheppy. Let's go to your room. Bye. Bye, Kim. Bye, Kim. Um, all right. Yes, I got them. You guys can help me too. Um, so, that's cool. Let's go to the next one. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain offered. Through this, he was approved as righteous, with God testifying concerning his gifts. He still speaks through his faith, though he is dead. What do y'all think about that? That one's so interesting to me because there's not any law existing at that point in mm-hmm. terms of like what you're supposed to sacrifice. Right. So Cain giving up his like first fruits. Right. It's on paper at least fine. Right. But it's the it's the heart mm-hmm. status that God's talking about. Yeah, I think that's the <clears throat> the big point is that at that point, like you said, there was no law. But there's there is no reason Cain versus Abel's sacrifices should have been God smiling on Abel versus Cain, unless you add in the heart, the heart position. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really like I think Genesis we see a lot of what God's original intention was, mm-hmm. and then after the fall we start to see how things start going bad. Yeah. It's like a list of like this thing fell, this thing fell, this thing fell, this thing fell. And you see a fall from God's original intent. But then God always, if it's if it was something that God created in the garden, he always wants to like bring it back, but bring, bring it brand new. And uh, we talked about the verse from Jeremiah, I think it's 31, where it talks about, uh, <clears throat> I will be your people, uh, or you will be my people and I will be your God. And I will write uh, the law on your hearts. And I wonder... This is just a hypothesis. I don't know if I have really much to back it up, but I wonder if at that point the law was written on the heart. So, like Cain was guilty because the law was already there on his heart. But 
it was that start to walk away from grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a hypothesis. Well, I think in in Genesis they kind of it, you were also kind of pegged to believe that, or not pegged to believe, but it almost felt like it was illustrating Cain as already kind of like. In, not inherently, but just kind of not being a good guy because he was skimping on what he was offering. Yeah, for. yeah. So in that sense, it's like he knew what he was supposed to be doing, right? And wasn't doing it aside from right. Cain actually, I think, going the extra mile. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's a good hypothesis. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And it's still it's interesting because the Lord's still walking with people like pretty actively at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. Uh, uncommon for them to like be right there beside God and uh, the story of it says in the course of time Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions the Lord had respect for Abel and for his offering but for Cain and for his offering he did not have respect and then Cain was very angry and his countenance fell that's the big point there is that his uh, it literally means his face fell like he was smiling and his frown turned upside or his smile turned upside down into a frown. I don't know how to do that backwards. But then the Lord said to him, "Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, won't you be accepted?" So right there, he's saying something he did that Cain did wasn't well. He didn't do something well. But if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door, desires to dominate you, but you must rule over it. I love that. So instead of ruling over it, Cain allows himself to be overruled, kills his brother, and Abel is once again, this is another picture of Jesus, uh, uh, a sacrifice, basically. Uh, I mean, he's not sacrificed for anybody in in particular, but he's um, almost like a martyr in a way, where he... I'm trying to, there's a word I'm looking for. He was innocent. His, his blood is innocent. He was a victim. He, but he was innocent blood. Yep. Like he gave a good thing to the Lord. And yet he was killed for it. And so it talks about his blood being sprinkled on the ground. And I think in Hebrews 12, it talks about the blood of Abel still cries out to this day. But Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, even though Abel was great, he still wasn't Jesus, you know, and so, but we're still seeing this theme of Jesus being woven into the fabric of the text. Really cool. All right, my favorite guy. By faith, Enoch was taken to heaven so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he had this commendation that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's some good stuff there. Can you smell what Enoch is cooking? Yeah. Enoch is the oldest man in the Bible. Because mm-hmm. he still ain't dead. He still ain't dead. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I think my, my parents periodically read through the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And that was the first place I ran into verse 5, talking uh-huh. about Enoch being translated. Right, yeah. Just such a weird word idea, but it's so cool because it's like God's like, "Hey, I'm gonna make you stop being a part and being a human, and yeah. now you're gonna start being with me." Yeah. Yep. Thank you for that. I kept seeing in the Blue Letter Bible, "See Septuagint." Like, yeah. I can't see it if I know what it. I don't know what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's named after the seventy uh, scholars that translate the, the cool. Old Testament into Greek. Yeah. So, Sept is the Seven. Oh, okay, Shep. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to read though because it's, you know, whereas we're reading English probably from Hebrew, Hebrew. there it's English from Greek from Hebrew. Mm. So there's interesting like nuances that you can sort of catch. Totally, that's cool. Yeah. Enoch's a very cool character. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that story remind you of? Does that make you think of anything? I mean, the themes with Jesus. Eh? Beyond Elijah getting taken up into heaven. And the... Who else got taken up to heaven? Elijah. Elijah. Who else? Enoch. Uh, Jesus. Christ. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was also taken up, as if he wasn't even 
as if he hadn't died before. That's like what the resurrection is like. And so the, the picture of Enoch going to heaven, once again, is a shadow pointing to Christ and what Christ was going to do. And not just for himself, but for all of us. One day all the dead in Christ will be raised from the dead. That's Thessalonians. Verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Ah, man, this is so good. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What does that make you think about? I don't have anything in particular in mind. I'm just curious to hear what y'all think. Uh, it makes me think of a couple things where it's like the story of the, I want to say the widow finding the coin or something like that. Is it the woman with two coins? It's not a very good analogy because it's a little bit of the story. There's a woman who like searched her whole house until she could find the mm-hmm. coin persistently. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and ask and you will see. Ask and I don't know. My mind's not yeah. working right now. Knock and you'll find. Yeah, yeah. Seeking you'll find. Yeah. Yeah. The widow searching her house for the Yeah. And the shepherd looking for the, the one. Right. And I think there's a third one. I'm pretty sure there is, too. Yeah. But, like, the, the promise of his presence is always available. If you seek, you will find. Yep. Yeah. What does it mean to please God? Worship. Could be a part of it. To pursue him. To do what he says. Yeah. Yeah, it's to make him happy. To make him bring him pleasure because you're glorifying him. Uh, Can we do that with our, uh, like, obedience and like I don't know <clears throat> if we disobey God does he get displeased does he his face fall and get angry with us if we sin yeah I think he can get bummed <laughs> he can get bummed I'm bummed then that was the only the only problem with that is then that makes God a respecter of your sin you know and he uh, I think he can be sad for you, though. Yes, he can like, be it doesn't, sad. It doesn't affect his love for you. Yeah, but I think no. he can be, like, right. grieved by right. like, wanting better for you. Right. But ultimately, his love is still, like, present. Yeah. Like, he doesn't lose love. Yeah. And that's the point that a lot of people miss, is that he can be, you know, he can be displeased by our performance, but... Also, the only thing that, the, at least in Hebrews right here, it talks about the only way we can please God is through what? Faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not through a- good works, not through, uh, you know, our doing everything right. The only way we can please him is by faith. Now, you can follow that line and say, well, faith led me to do good works. Great, yes, that's, then, then those are pleasing to God. But if but you're the doing the root is faith. The root is faith. That's the point I guess that the author's trying to get to is that everything you do has to be rooted in faith in him. Faith is the It's the subject. Works are the fruit of faith. Right. Right. James talks about it. I'm pretty sure it's James. That you know, faith without works is dead. Yeah. That's exactly what I was just Yeah. Yeah, so faith leads to something. It's not stagnant. It's not just I believe and then you don't do anything. Mm-hmm. It does lead to something. But it starts with faith. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe, there's plenty of people who, you know, just do the works. And then they come to God at the end and he's like, depart from me, I never knew you. You know, you don't want to be those guys. Faith is where it all starts. Um, and you, it says that you have to believe two things. For he comes to God. For he who comes to God must believe that one, he exists. Pretty easy. And two... He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I don't know what the... I'm curious about the word there for rewarder. He is a... What verse is that? Verse 6. Wow. The word for rewarder basically means one who pays wages. Meaning... 
he's like a boss, like, <laughs> like a manager in a way, where he rewards you according to your your faith. Or like you think about the Olympics, like putting the like right. medal on. Yeah, yeah. It's like if you worked eight hours in a field, you get paid for eight hours. So the Lord looks at your your faith and says, "By your faith is what I'm going to reward you with." What, were you going to say something, Cam? I was going to point to this word being one of the reasons that people are not sure that Paul wrote Hebrews. Because Paul doesn't use that because word. Paul tends to use a lot of the same words, and this is the only place this word gets used. In right. The right. <laughs> are you choking on something, bud? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he said, oh. I've been waiting for that cough since he was born. Mm-hmm. All right. Every yeah. <laughs> Wait, did he cough? Yes. My last week you were like, oh, finally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Ver- verse 7. By faith Noah, being divinely warned about things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark to save his family, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. What does that make y'all think about? Hopefully Noah. How how can you compare Noah to Jesus using what the author's saying? almost like the Lord told him, yeah, like you're about to go die on a cross. It's going to be brutal and bloody. He knew it. And he knew it. He knew it it full well. Uh And by faith he walked to the to Golgotha, the place of the skull, carrying the his death device on his back. What a, what a man. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which would later receive an which he would later receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the promised land as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That one's pretty simple. But that Abraham didn't know where he was going. He didn't have like a physical place in his mind. All he knew is that he was going to where God was leading him to. And he wasn't looking forward to like a certain, like he had no no reference for what the place was. He wasn't looking for like a city that he could imagine. It was a city that God was leading him to. And that that was Abraham's faith in that moment. Does anything else stand out to you there? Does that make sense? By faith, Sarah, this is verse 11, also received the ability to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man who was as good as dead, sprang so many, a multitude as the stars of the sky, and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. What's interesting about Sarah? Is she a woman? Yeah, so just rip that part out. No, I'm just kidding. Oh. Ah, that is a joke, joke, joke. Delete that. I don't mean that at all. You better not say that when whoever says that about Rahab. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love Sarah and Rahab. Um. I, feel, I feel like I relate to Sarah. But I was just going to say, at the beginning, when she was first told that she was going to have a child, was not a fate. Uh-huh. And as she laughed yeah. at the idea. Yeah. Right. How many times have we... twice or three times she liked that yeah, she doubted a lot. It was yeah. a long span of time for her to doubt. I mean, there was like 25 years in between the promise and the film. Yeah, so. yeah. You don't think there was times of doubt? I mean, we go sit down and we go, all right, God, I want to spend time with you. And then we feel like we don't hear his voice after spending 10 minutes there. And then we're like, ah, 
Emotional damage. We have no persistent. Yeah, emotional damage. I'm hurt by the church. <laughs> uh, you know, like, that's not persistent faith. Like, there, and you can doubt. There is room for that. The Lord allows that. Like with Sarah, she laughed to his face. Because if you read that story, it was basically it was Jesus who walked up There's to her. like maybe a tent wall between Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's just like... Yeah, right. And he's like, why'd you laugh? And she's like, oh, I didn't laugh. And he's like, you laughed. <laughs> I love that part. It's so funny that that's written down. <laughs> she said, oh, no, I did not laugh. He says, yeah, you did. Yeah. And then it just goes to the next story. <laughs> it's so petty. But, like, I, th- I feel there's so much humanity to the Bible, you know? I relate with that. Because I can tell the Lord, oh, I believed you. Like, no, you didn't. You're okay. such a camper, though. Yeah, you're literally <laughs> such a camper. Uh, but this is another... I mean, we we haven't talked about this with the other guys as much, but, like, all these guys had issues. You know, Noah, after getting off the boat, what did he do? Got drunk. And uh, I I can't remember. It wasn't... Was it him who slept with his daughters? No, they, I think that was somebody else. No. Drunk that was his... Oh, well, his bro... That yeah, a that's a lot. His, but his son's, like... You know, one saw him. One of his sons went in and saw his. his oh, yes, make it. Right. Oh, and the other two were like, okay, hold up. Man. Yeah, yeah. Threw a blanket over their arms and back to the tent. Yeah, to not disgrace their father. But Noah was a guy who. He got drunk. He got drunk. He, he was not like all the way obedient. Wasn't this perfect guy? He had issues. Abraham was definitely not perfect. Abraham lied about his wife being his wife twice and gave her away to the the kings. And God, I mean, like, oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. Uh, Baby, you're going to have to go with them. You know. Uh, I know she's hot. She's my sister. Yeah, she's just my sister. Wait, are you guys dating? No, no, no. no. We're just friends. Definitely not. We're just friends. She's my sister. You know, the... These are the people, the great leaders of faith, you know? The thing this that strikes be encouraging. me there is just how, like, blessed Abraham is that Pharaoh doesn't just kill him and keep the one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. They also... Instead, he, like, respects the covenant of marriage. It's yeah. so strange. Yeah. Well, I think one of them, the... I can't remember if it was the Egyptian the or the second one, where God, like, appeared in a dream to the guy and was like... Don't you dare put your hands on her. <laughs> I'll kill all your children or something like that. What did I do? He said, what? And then he goes to Abraham, bro. And then he gave him something? a bunch of stuff. Well, because the yeah. God had promised them a son, and that's at the point when they he had slept with Hagar. Right. And so yeah. it was really important that nobody slept with Sarah other right. than Abraham right. to know that that was actually the child conceived right. by Abraham and Sarah. Right, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean... It's just easy to see. You headed out. Love you, Gabby. We'll see you later. Um, yeah, I didn't even think about the Hagar story, but like, that's trying to accelerate the promise. Well, it's been a couple of years since God promised that thing. Looks like He's not going to show up. So. Or it's like maybe He meant this. Like maybe right. it was really right. because she's my servant and. Maybe I was mishearing, so I need to make something happen. Anytime you say, I need to make it happen, <laughs> that's how you know you're doing something wrong. Uh, you know, and they, God still allowed it. God made space for that and blessed Ishmael. He told Ishmael that his line was going to be great. He was gonna be, there were going to be 12 princes that come from his line, and it was going to be a massive line. And So we've got some issues going on, but let's keep going. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar. They were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland. And certainly, if they had been thinking of the country out of which they came, they might have had the opportunity to return. But they desired a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What does that make y'all think about? It's kind of an interesting one. It's a good, it's a good point that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, even though they're, they're looking in the promised land, they're not building houses in the promised land. 
Yeah. They're still nomads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're still striving. You know, they're desiring to enter into the rest of God into a city that's prepared by his hands. Much better. Alright, for the sake of time, I'm going to keep going. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Of him, God said, through Isaac shall your seed be named. He reasoned that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he indeed received him in a figurative sense. What does that make y'all think of? Kind of of Job. Mm -hmm. In that Job is given all this stuff, and then it all gets taken away. Right. Job is like, wasn't really mine to begin with. Yeah. At the end of things, God gives him it all back. Yeah. More so. Yeah. Yep. Abraham has that same type of feeling to it. Even, even though Abraham doesn't explicitly say that he's got faith that Isaac will be brought back from the dead, mm-hmm. if Abraham kills him, like, you know. Yeah. Well, it's suggested that, you know, he knew some, God was going to do something. Because yeah, God would figure something out. The God promised that he was going to give him. for the dead or save him from Right. Death. Yeah, because that's when he says in the story he tell says to the servants, "All right, me and the boy are going to go up, and when we return, then we'll go back home or something like that. Yeah. We'll return after a couple days." Yeah. And so, and even when Isaac is like, "Hey, Dad, where's the where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Right. God will provide. God will provide. Yep." And it also <laughs> speaks to <laughs> Dad. Where's the sacrifice? <laughs> Actually, he's coming. <laughs> oh, it'll be there. Um, Closer than you think. Yeah. Oh, I would not have booked it. No, but it also talks, it kind of like speaks to how Abraham knew the Lord personally. Yeah. Because, I mean, there had been all these people that had sacrificed their children that God rebuked. Yeah. Like, he knew that God wasn't going to actually, mm-hmm. something, he knew something was up. Right. Because he knew the Lord. He knows him, yeah. Yeah, which is a nice big change from before. Because now he had received the promise from God, at least his son, he received that promise. And so he had his faith. You can see the, the level of maturity as time has gone on. And Abraham's old at this point. I mean, he was already old. But he's really old at this point. Like in the hundreds? Yeah. I mean, he was what, 80? 85? 85, was it? When he, I think it was 85. Oh, what do you mean? When he was given the promise. Or well... Or no, he was 90. He was like 90 or 91 when Isaac was born. I think he was 70, and then he was 95. Yeah, something like that. Because Sarah was 94. And then you add like 10 years on top of that. So yeah, he's in his Yeah, he's about... So, but in that whole story, I I think we kind of know this one, we probably heard it, but like, that was a picture of Jesus' sacrifice. Yeah. That God was the... Abraham is a shadow of God the Father, and uh, Isaac is a picture of Jesus. And that God the Father, it was pointing to God the Father one day was going to put his son on a cross and fulfill his wrath through the son, you know, by seeing him die. Does that make God a, uh, a child abuser, a divine child abuser? No. Not at all. That's a whole, we won't jump into those reads, but we can talk about it. But God is not a divine child abuser. Jesus was 100% God. Mm-hmm. 100% man. They are different, but they are the same. It's the mystery of the Trinity. But Jesus was so submitted to the Father that he willfully put himself in that position. God gave him a choice. And he willfully put himself in that position. Awesome. That's such a cool story. All right, we'll keep going. Verse 20, by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshipped while leaning on the top of his staff. That one's kind of interesting. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons and worshipped while leaning on the top of his staff. I don't really get that one. It's, it's actually 
Uh, read, read your thing. Just Mine says, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. That's the important part. Blessing the sons of Joseph? Yeah. Okay. I guess the dying part is him like, He's frail. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's not blessing his own kids. He's blessing Joseph's kids. Gotcha. That makes sense. He's blessing his grandsons. His grandsons. Yeah, yeah. Looking because to the next generation. I'm blanking on their names, but like they get tribes. Right. Wow, that's really cool. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they're like, oh, because Joseph dies, and, you know, he's one of the most important men in Egypt. Could have been buried probably in a uh, pyramid. Yeah. If you really I think to. I think I've seen a video where uh, they think they found Jesus, or Joseph's burial site, and it was like one, it wasn't like a full pyramid, but it was like... Um, it was a similar burial site, yeah, to, like, how... Because uh, they opened it up and there wasn't a body there? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm trying to... They probably prepped it for him because they liked him so much, but he was like... It was well, like that a, was, but that was the thing. It's like, he's like, you can bury me here, but when you leave Egypt, because you will eventually, you're not you supposed take to stay here. With you. Take my bones with you. Right. That's the point. His, his faith is like, you're not going to stay in Egypt. Right. Yeah. He's looking forward to the place God shall take them. Yeah, it was just like one of those things. It was like a, a Jewish tradition. The, the and you gotta understand a lot of this stuff is the writer uh, appealing to the the, Jewish the Jewishness of his readers. Of his readers. Yeah. So they're probably going, "Oh yeah, Joseph with the bones." <laughs> Us Gentiles are kind of like bones. <laughs> Joseph. What? Why are they moving his bones? Uh, verse twenty three. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months. Uh, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. He esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, he endured by looking to him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest the one who destroys the firstborn touch them. I'll stop there. What do you, what do you hear there? I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. Does it ever shock anybody that Moses kind of, he never talks about it really, but he was just hanging out with like the Israelites all the time. He liked the Israelites. You know, he could have chosen to be like an Egyptian. You know, that was definitely a part of his heritage. Mm-hmm. Well, not well, it's, it's really. One the, it's one of the things that I think Prince of Egypt does really well is when he kills the Egyptian for right. mistreating the Hebrew. Right. His heart was still for, like, yeah. his people. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the piece that they, that this doesn't really mention and that Matt doesn't ever cover in Prince of Egypt is that, um, the really neat thing about the story of Moses is after he gets hidden in the boat of rushes uh-huh. and the daughter of Pharaoh finds him, it's his sister who's like, hey, I I know a lady right. that could nurse, nurse him for you. And then literally just brings Moses home. Back to his mom. <laughs> right. So Moses is like, his mom's like, what? He's like, he's grown, Moses is like grown up in this weird thing of being like, I have status and with this one mom, but here's my other mom. Yeah. So he like knows, I think. Hey, I got two moms. What's for the plug? Sorry. Cut that. <laughs> he said, don't cut that shit. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time. Mm-hmm. Man. <laughs> what else? He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured by looking to him who was invisible. This really makes <laughs> Moses look top tier, like he was this super BA dude. He really is. 
But if you remember when Moses met God, well, and then when he met God, what does God say? I want you to go, like, you're going to be the leader of your people, and you're going to lead them back to the promised land. And Moses is like, uh, uh, I can't talk. Uh, yeah, but I'm shy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't. Moses, Moses has a lot of false humility. <laughs> yes, very much so. Yeah, what, what is the book that he, is it Genesis or something like, there's a, he ends a book and he talks about Moses. Or, oh, it, Moses knew more than any other man or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's writing about himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, but Moses, I mean, Moses doubted the Lord really hard. He was like, I can't stand in front of Pharaoh. He definitely was afraid of the king. But because he, he had faith in God... God doesn't even remember that part. That's not the part that gets recorded here in Hebrews 11. It was the fact that he had faith and obeyed and believed. So good. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, which the Egyptians attempted to do but were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith the prostitute Rahab, when she received the spies with peace, did not perish with those who did believe. did not believe. Anything stand out to y'all there? Is that just talking about when? He, What's that? Is that just talk, talking about when? I didn't hear well. The Red Sea. Is yeah, that yeah. What it was? Yeah, yeah. When uh, after so this is it. All of this is, goes in chronological order through Genesis, which is really cool. Historically. Um, yeah, historically, and um, so yeah, the Mo, that would be Moses and the Israelites walking through the Red Sea when it's parted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you gotta have faith to do that. <laughs> like it was by faith that they were parted because God tells Moses to strike the staff down in the ground I mean <laughs> you could easily believe, not believe him and go that was just me that was just me saying, thinking something stupid and something I saw on TV you know and then I mean to walk through that like Red Sea's big yeah. I mean that's that's not like some easy feat and you're like looking at all the fish and all this stuff you're probably like Oh my gosh. It takes faith. The walls of Jericho falling down. I mean, that's the most nutty story I've ever heard. (laughs) They marched around the city a bunch of times and then they blew their trumpets and the walls fell down. It's like, that feels like a Monty Python skit. (laughs) You know? Yeah. It's neat that Rahab gets included in this. Yes. I don't know if the writer did it on purpose, but Rahab is in the line of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she's the only one. Other than David. There's a, a nice little debate of uh, the question that people have is, can a non-believer please God? And I would say, biblically speaking, yes. Mm-hmm. That you can not believe in the gospel and still please him. And I don't know if you'll please him forever because, you know, you still don't believe the gospel. There's no safety in that. But Cornelius is a good example in the book of Acts where Cornelius and his family uh, feared God and they gave tithes and offerings to him. They worshipped him. And because Uh, of that, God sends Peter. Right. And then God, yeah, God gives a dream to Peter, tells him to go to Cornelius' house and, like, it's a huge deal. Like, that, that whole story is awesome. But, like, Cornelius didn't even know who Jesus was. He didn't know anything about the gospel. All he knew was this God character, and he believed. Uh-huh. C.S. Lewis is an interesting thing, similar to that with the young man. Uh-huh. His book, The Last Battle. Oh, yeah. Which is a discussion for another time. Sure. <laughs> yeah, anytime C.S. Lewis is brought up, you know, that's the reason. I don't know, the, I don't know the, the reasoning behind Lewis including it, but it's a really neat. Yeah. Yeah. All right, verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. That's Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Which is wild, because Daniel didn't stop the lions. 
it was the Lord. It was faith. But really. then 34 punched the power of fire. That's Rackshack and Benny. Yep, Rackshack and Benny. <laughs> Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong and became valiant in fighting and turned the armies of foreign enemies to flight. That one, that one's kind of Barack, but it's mostly the lady prophet. Right. That Barack was yeah, with. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. That's talking about the martyrs. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted and were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. I love that. Like, it talk, and man, it just like brings me to tears thinking about like... There's just so many different people there. Yeah. But like thinking about all the people who have like died. I mean, you got to realize how deep your conviction is to die for faith. To be sawed in two. James is that one. Yeah. yeah James the brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, to... To face death. I mean, most times you're facing death, they're not going to say, we're going to kill you right now. They have to be political about it. So what, the, what do they do? Try to get you to uh, recant your faith. You know, say, uh, say you don't believe. Mm-hmm. Hail Caesar. Or uh, whatever thing is going on today, you know. It's not a bunch with Nero. Yeah. Recant or we'll put you up on poles and let you on fire. Right. Right. Bad out of this ideology or that ideology. Right, left. All these different things. There's, a, there's another one. I think it's in England. The two Margarets. They had an older Margaret that they tied to a pole further out and low tide. And a younger Margaret they tied to a pole closer up. And they like sang hymns and stuff. And when the, the older one drowned, they came to the younger one and they were like, You can still be saved. You don't have to go out like that. And she was like, No, Jesus is still my Lord. Okay, and then they drowned her too. That's crazy. Yeah, I think of Stephen being stoned. Yeah, that one. That one gets me. Yeah, me too. You know, but like, what is it like? Uh, I think of like what the father will say. You know, when we we talk about that, we always. I tend to think of the negative. Will I be able to make an excuse in front of the Lord for disobedience? But like, what about when we do obey Him? You know, what about like? when we follow him to the point of death to where the whole world wants to tear us apart and wants to see us killed. What does he say? Verse uh, 38. The world was not worthy of them. The world was not worthy of them. Jesus says, or the Father says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now enter into the rest. Boy, that's fire. I want the world to not be worthy of me. I don't want to be worthy to the world. That is the last thing I want. These all have obtained a good report through faith, but they did not receive the promise. For God provided something better for us, so that with us they would be made perfect. They still hadn't received it. And that, that was kind of like the point I wanted to make earlier. It's like, I, I love that song, Promises, when she sings that part at the end, like, I'll still bless you. When things are good, when things are bad, I'll still bless you. Doesn't matter. I'll still bless you. And like, I, I want to like make it like a chant. I'll still bless you. I'll still bless you. I'll still bless you. Like, no matter what happens. Like, I will... I don't want to be dependent on anything else to bless the Lord. I want to be so convicted of Him. And like, I want to know Him so deeply that even when there is no fruit. That's one thing with our church is like, we've seen a lot of fruit. It's been amazing. This last year has been so good with everybody. I've seen fruit in every single person. But I know that at a point, there will be a time for all of us when that fruit seems... uh, 
non-evident, where we don't see the fruit, where things aren't as like happy-go-lucky as they were before. And what's going to carry us through those moments? You know, if we're dependent on having fruit to keep walking forward, then we won't we won't see like the Lord move. We'll we'll lose faith. We won't make our names won't be written in a book like this, you know. But what do all these people have in common? At some point in their hearts, they did believe. And while they may have never received the promise, they still received the Father. And they still will enter into the, the, the rest of the, the Lord. And they will receive the promise. That's the point. There, you will receive the promise. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things seen. Right? Unseen. Things unseen. Ah, I'm getting better and better trying. I hope this has been like encouraging. And to see how many people were flawed. <laughs> like it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to like with your faith say, I don't know if the Lord hears me, I don't know if the Lord cares. At least let it lead to something though. Question your doubts. We're gonna we'll pray. And uh end it there unless anybody has anything to say everything you said was rotten alright let's pray Father we love you we honor you we thank you for today we thank you that you hear our prayers and that you uh, there's not a single prayer we've prayed that you've forgotten or never heard you've heard every single one of our prayers And you love us with an undying love. You accept us with uh, an unconditional acceptance. We belong in your family. And so I just pray that you would show us, each one of us, uh, a deeper revelation of your love this week. That we would know you in a deeper way and that you would know us in a deeper way. That we would be a people that value your presence and value your face over your hands that we would value gazing and wasting time at your feet rather than being busy with the cares of this world there's nothing wasted at your feet so we just love you we submit ourselves to you we just pray that you would bless each one of us going out today and uh, yeah so we honor you we praise you in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you have been blessed by today's teaching. And as always, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. You have my heart open.